0: Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast-creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. We're your hosts, Laurel Gurrier and Danielle Jackson. Today's episode features Yash. Her experience highlights the importance of creating a birthing space that feels not only physically safe, but also emotionally safe. This was imperative for Moji as she left an abusive relationship so that she could have the home birth that she had always wanted. In doing so, she expresses that it felt like she was birthing a new spirit. We
1: are Mm. extremely
0: excited to have her on the show today. So with that,
1: hello, Moji. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you. Thank you so much for welcoming me and for making this space, not only for myself, but all the stories that I hear on here. It's beautiful. Oh,
2: thank you. Moji, can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family?
1: Yes, so um, my name is Moji Yai, and I am originally from Benin, West Africa, and um, that's where my family is from, and that's where I was born. And we all moved to the U.S. um, when I was about nine years old, and in uh, Florida, to be specific, and I, I guess I'm the middle child. I'm the first for my, both my parents. They each had a child before coming together. And I've always been, I think, the one to be vocally pushing pushing their buttons, <laughs> vocally. Um, uh, so, and also just the one to really put my foot down when I don't like something. Um, a lot of that was primarily in medicine, like, you know, here in the Africa where you're, um, I guess everywhere now, but a lot of um, children get vaccinations. And that was one thing that I hated. I hated getting shots. And, um, you know, they all, there's always a story of me. How they, whenever they'll have to have like three nurses come and hold me down just to give me a shot. And... Um, and I was born at home, uh, my mom's first home birth. And I think that's really one of my um, introductions to birth and, and, uh, and home birth and how it can be. Uh, she birthed in this house that I'm in right now, actually. Um, this is my grandfather's house. And he was a medical doctor and he had a home clinic. And that's where um, she birthed with him and my grandmother also assisted that birth. And I always heard, grew up here in that story. So that kind of shaped my, my imagination of what birth is and what should be and could be. Um, yeah, and then we moved to the US and I had a bit of a hard time assimilating and I feel like I never really did. Um, and one of those places, was in school. I didn't really, I never really fit in, even though I really loved learning. I just felt I never really fit in. And that affected my grades and stuff like that. <clears throat> and, um, and eventually with schooling, I ended up quitting in college, you know, but still quitting. And I found my people <laughs> as a I started working with kids yeah. and I found, I started, I would talk to mothers about their birth. I was working at a daycare and, um, and I started working and talking to mothers about their birth. And they, that's when I started learning about birth work and midwifery in the U.S. And, um, and that kind of brought me to birth work where I found what I say my people it's one yeah. of the birth workers of color and who I work with now. And then also I work, uh, you know, I, I got into do and midwifery also. And um, yeah, that's basically been my story from birth till now. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love to hear, um,
0: you know, you being able to hear the story of how you were born, um, the fact that you're like living in that space um, Mm -hmm. and how that has like followed you on your journey is really, really wonderful. And I think why we, we, we love doing this and having this space for those stories.
2: um, I think it made me more,
1: uh, I don't know if it was, I, I think, yeah, the hearing my birth story, is something that has always been kind of like something that made it's like a pride thing. It gave me some kind of some pride, yeah, and, yeah, and some roots. Some really rooted me down to you know I was born at home, it, and it was also I I know that the, my mother's first birth was not a good experience in a hospital in Nigeria, mm-hmm. and um. And so her two other next births she had at home. And that helped, that just made me feel like birth is not, you know, it's just something that happens. And also, you know, I saw many women come here to pregnant and to get care from my grandfather. Um, And so, yeah, it definitely made me very comfortable with the idea of home birth. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that... That I think that's really what what made me so comfortable with it. Even though I would say that when it was when I wanted a home birth, my mom was scared. Was scared. Yeah, and yeah. She was like, "You should go to the hospital." Even though she had home birth, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's interesting. Um, yeah, how I don't know, but um, but yeah, she was very also. She was scared, and um, mm. and so it, it's. It's something that I feel like you also have to um, be conscious about. Not be the reasons why you're doing it mix um, Mm -hmm. comes into play. Are you doing it because you had a bad experience, or are you doing it? You know, just really digging into the reasons, and I think that's something that we this generation is doing more of. Like really digging into our our. um, process and the reason why and you know we we just i don't know we were with this generation seems like we're really doing a lot of um the emotional and mental work to kind of learn ourselves a little bit
2: more Mm -hmm. that's interesting you said that your mother was afraid um for you i wonder if it's has something to do with her trust in her Mm -hmm. process but the lack of trust um, with someone else, just because it was a family member with her, so right.
1: mm-hmm. that's that's probably part of it, definitely. Because um, yeah, I think once we moved to the US, she didn't have any connections with the obvious, the midwives, or she had already stopped having kids by then. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, I you're right. I never thought of that, but that's definitely probably a part of why she was um a
0: little bit nervous about it Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and i you had mentioned you know making sure that in doing a home birth that you understand the reasons why and you're really doing that that mental work and mental preparation and i think sometimes what happens you know as things become bigger within the culture and people are starting to do things more, we sometimes um, will romanticize like what an experience will be like. And we do have this idea that Mm -hmm. home births are this beautiful, which they are glorious things. But I think people don't always think about or know like there's still work that needs to go into preparing and doing that. And Mm -hmm. so that it can be this beautiful, wonderful experience. It doesn't just happen. Right. (laughs)
1: Yes, and definitely as a doula and as a mother, as a doula, I see that a lot because a lot of women nowadays, like you said, there's this um, romanticizing of water birth, the home birth, but if you are not mentally prepared, if you don't know what to expect, if you're not just really rooted in the reason why and also like really trusting your body or if you have fears, and that's the big thing, like I tell women all the time, if you're really scared, like deep down, really scared of a home birth, but you're saying you want it just because, you know, you think that's the right thing to say, chances are you're going to get transferred because mm. you're, that fear is going to stop you at some point. And even if, it's, um, even if it's your mother who's there who's fearful or your husband or your partner, if that fear isn't um, you know, processed and unpacked and talked about and dealt with before that birth, during your birth, during your labor, you know, it could somehow hinder you being able to go through your whole labor at home and you, know, you end up being um, transferred. So it's really important to really deal with our fears, to really prepare ourselves, mind and body And that's one of the things that I had to do with my pregnancy. Um, And that I also see with, you know, my clients sometimes. And I had to tell them that that's that's in your head. That's in your head. You know, we had to unpack that. But um, but you're very right. So, yeah, my pregnancy, I'm going to just.
0: Stop. Yeah, I was just about to say. Let's jump in. Let's do it. Tell us a little bit about your pregnancy. That was perfect. <laughs> that was. I was about to do it, but yes, let's make it happen.
1: So actually, I I, I started. Um, I found out I was pregnant while I was in midwifery school. So it was really interesting because um, I I started the year before, and you know they always say, "Well, my my the director." Of the school says you know a lot of women who come here to study midwifery they're either gonna get pregnant they're either here because they're either here because they're in the back of their mind they're really trying to. there's it's really time for them to have a baby or um or they're really actually gonna go through with the school i was like i'm going through with the school this is I'm you know whatever but yeah i was one of the ones who got pregnant during the school year and um yeah, it was, um, and it was, I, I knew right away that I wanted a home birth, even though most of the people who got pregnant during that, um, for that um, school, because it was a really intensive school in Miami, Inter- international school of midwifery. Um, they even had a discovery health show at one point, but it was a really intensive, wow. you, you basically lived at there, you were there most of the time you you were the we were the students are the ones who ran everything and so so um most of the time when you got when the students get pregnant they will have they'll birth at the clinic but i was kind of sure that i didn't want i didn't want that you know right away i knew that i didn't want that i wanted um i wanted it to be mine mine experience and not like a class project or something like that you know yeah and so um, and that kind of caused a little bit of uh, friction between me and the director because I didn't want to birth there um, but so right away I just knew that I had to do things my way and kind of make decisions that just supported my mental health and my desires more than um, more than you know other, pleasing other people um, but it was, um, so I, anyway, so I, I was, I, that's when I found out I was pregnant at that time. I, um, the father, my partner at the time, and, and I, we were not really in a serious relationship, but you know, what, what can you do? So, so I was really open to Nah, I wasn't like, oh, now we have to be serious or anything like that. I was really open to, like, you know, seeing where the relationship goes now. And it sounds funny, like, now that I'm pregnant, let's see where the relationship goes. But um, I was just really open to that. I wasn't, um, I don't know, something inside me has always been, like, I'm, I'm good with kids. I don't necessarily have to have that, um, that kooky-cut relationship, husband, wife, and baby carriage, whatever, that that is um, fed to us. So I was very comfortable with you know going through the pregnancy um, uh, on under on on, the, on, the, on those terms that we're not you know def, you know we're we're not that kind of unit, um, which was um, something that he wanted, but we but I wanted a home birth, and I wasn't right at this time the the school was in Miami so it wasn't in my hometown um, and um, so I, I ended up we ended up coming together to live together and even though I was trying to give him as much space as possible it was just still things were not really working out with us and um, since I wanted a home birth and I knew that I had to be comfortable I was just like, this is not, I can't give birth in this environment. It became really um, emotionally abusive. And also yeah. it then got into physical abusive. And and I was like, when it became physically abusive, I was like, that's definitely, like I've always promised myself a man will only raise my his hand to me one time and I'm out. And so... Especially now that I'm pregnant, I, was, I cried so much during that time. And I was like, I can't do this. I don't want my, I knew then I was having a girl. I don't want her to come into this kind of environment. And I can't, definitely cannot birth in this kind of environment. Um, because I couldn't be myself. Even, you know, and in a lot of uh, abusive relationships, uh, you feel like you're walk, walking on eggshells. And so you cannot birth in that kind of environment because you can't relax. You'll always be that you know you can't relax. Right. Um, and so yeah, I decided to just to leave and go back to my hometown. So I had to quit um, midwifery school and and um, and go back to my hometown and where I had my family home there. And so I was like, well, this is, that's what's going to happen. And so from then on, once I made that step, um, I had the best pregnancy. Like I was, I was super happy. I didn't have any issues. Um, at least not any physical issues. I was mentally very happy and I was a happy pregnant person. I wasn't throwing up a lot. I wasn't, you know, so I was, it was good. Um, so it was, um, so that's, that's, I went back to work, working with kids, uh, doing my old job. So I had a good kind of community support because, um, you know, people who, you, you know, know you, who knew me, my, my town, that's, I, didn't, I wasn't jobless. I could work. I had, so I was able to, I had some, a lot of, uh, community support. And um, I found a home birth midwife there and it was a white woman. I really wanted this woman in Miami, but I was like, this um, black woman in my black midwife in Miami. But I was, you know, got watching Gainesville in a small town, Gainesville, there wasn't, there was like no black birth workers in Gainesville. Um, Mm -hmm. And so but you know, but I liked my midwife. She was cool, um, and you know, um, I was at I was at work, and I started feeling contractions, and um, I was like, "Oh, it's nothing. It's just little contractions here and there." And my 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 boss, my um, my boss at the time, she's had had two babies at the time. And um, she was like, you need to go home. You stopped to breathe twice already. Or, you know, she was <laughs> mentally timing my contractions. Mm-hmm. And she said she just kicked me out to go home. And um, so I went, I was, I was going to go home. but I was like, oh, well, if it's tonight, then I got to go to the store and get this and that. And, um, and I did. And during the, while at the store I was like, shit, this is getting really bad. <laughs> I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do this. What if I start because I was literally pushing the car and having to stop and stop at the aisle and like hold on to something and I was like shit 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 and I still had to drive home and so <laughs> and um I made it. I made it home <laughs> and then my um I, I had called, I had some friends that i told that i had already asked to be at my birth um i had one person because she makes me laugh i had another person because she's a photographer and a few people like three people three of my closest friends um who i invited to be a part of the experience and it was also going to be their first time seeing a birth so they were really excited um so i called them just to let them know that you know my i was Having contractions, and it was probably gonna be that night. Um, yeah, and so it became—it was—it oh, was an awesome experience. I just in between I would probably left work at two o'clock, and then like twelve hours later, I had um, my daughter at one one in the morning. And, yeah, but I called um, I called the midwife around nine. And it was a water birth. It was a whole to do about getting the, the tub together, but everything yeah. worked out. You guys, you know about that? <laughs> getting the tub together and getting water into it. It was a whole to do, but everything worked out. Everything worked out. And I, it was like, you know, I was talking to myself throughout the, um, throughout my contractions and throughout the whole thing talking to myself, the things I would say to women when I was, you know, being with them as a jeweler and as a, as a student midwife, and it wasn't, it was, it was a, an amazing experience. Um, it was an amazing experience for myself. It was like I was birthing myself. I don't know how to say it, but Once I became a mother, I became a whole new person. And I am so grateful for that. That, because I'm so grateful for that, like, I can't even say anything about anything that that the whole, the whole process of becoming a mother was meant to be because Mm -hmm. it was part of what needed to happen for me to be my full self as I am today. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so... So that was my birth experience, um, but I was by myself. Like, but at the time, when when after the birth of the baby and everything was cleaned up um, and everybody went home, it was just me and the baby, and it it was. And I have to say, I, I enjoy that I, because I got to do things my way. But I, but there are definitely ways of, oh, this could be. I wish I had. Some more, some more support. I wish, you know, um you, you know, you always wish there's always waves of what if, what if, what if. But I really did enjoy those um that time of just me and her also. When
2: I think about um just your whole experience like that, it was almost like a lack of urgency, but that you Just went about your day still. Um, You knew you still had things to do in order for it to happen, that you didn't freak out. Uh, (laughs) That you were just kind of like, yeah, this is happening, um, but there's stuff that still needs to be done, and I'm going to take care of it. Um, And I think sometimes women think that when they go into labor, especially when you look at um, the media and movies and things like that, it always seems like it's so urgent, like you have to get going right now. Or you know, mm-hmm. or get your support right now. Sometimes you can just make it through to get what you need done, accomplished first, or just have that time to yourself to mentally prepare like this is actually happening. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, it's definitely nothing like the movies, uh, and all that anxiety that people and the driving to the you know, it doesn't, doesn't, it rarely happens like that. Yeah, you, you have time in your mm-hmm. body has been growing this baby for all these, all these months. It's not just going to shoot out your body like that. It's going to take time to work itself out. Yeah. Mm. For
2: sure. Mm.
0: And I loved how you, when you mentioned the people that you picked to be in that space. So like having a friend because she made you laugh, like hearing about like really thinking overall about who, Who in this space, what can they contribute as I'm Mm -hmm. working through? Um, Because, you know, there was a purpose behind those people, not just people staring at you, but like different aspects that they would help help guide
2: you as you worked through your birth. Right. Mm -hmm. And that they were there for you and not you there for them. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 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 For sure
0: thinking about like you, you know you said that after everything was was cleaned up and you did have a water birth um we were joking about like the 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 chaos of putting a birth tub together <laughs> <laughs> oh, we almost I almost um, said, forget keep... it forget it <laughs> <Everybody else>. <laughs> <laughs> We definitely, uh, you know, and then tried to keep the water warm and, and all of that. Um, yeah. Did you find, like, as through, as you, you know, working through your birth experience, was it something that was isolated in the birth tub or were you, you know, walking around? What did that look like for you?
1: I was, I walked around a lot first um, before getting in the tub. I actually was, like, I actually didn't want to get in the tub at first. I thought it would—it um, was too early too. But one of the one of my um, supporters was like, "Get in because it'll probably help you relax." And and so yeah, and actually it did. Once I got in, it seems like the contraction started coming faster and um, and stronger. Uh, I had to get out to birth the placenta though because. I, I guess I got too comfortable. I don't know, but I had to. I couldn't push the the placenta out until unless I got out. So I had to get out to to get um push the placenta out. But yeah, most of the um, I'll say from active labor on, but I, I didn't get in until I was active. And the water was nice. I don't know. I feel like next time I may try to do a just the air. Regular air birth, just to just to just because also because I feel like water birth is also kind of like become I don't know it's it's, a, it's using a lot of resources um, for it's kind of like forcing on a lot of resources for for the birth which you could do without I guess is also. So, and especially if I'm to birth in here in West Africa, it will be be easier to have an air birth than a a water birth, for sure. Um, And I know that a lot of people here don't have that luxury of having like the water, to be able to just have all that water available and then to, constantly you know it's it's just a lot of resources right so mm-hmm. i think i would try to use um, to have an error
2: so when you think about your um postpartum experience what was that like
1: yeah like um it was the best thing that i did postpartum was to use my placenta um i used i had it um I had placenta pills and that really helped. Like, I don't even know. It was about probably four to days after birth. And I was feeling really down, getting, starting to get the blues. And honestly, just one pill was like, really brightened my mood like so much. Um, so that I'm like, I would recommend to anybody for postpartum. Um, But besides that, it was was really me and the baby a lot, which was nice. I liked it. I wish um, I had more, like, more physical care, like some massages. I did have chiropractic care, which was – which also helped, which was nice. Um, But besides that, yeah, it was me and the baby, and it was – it was nice. We had visitors, of course, but mostly it was just me and the baby. <laughs> and I have to say, like a, a lot of times, people complain about. Well, my mom came after about about decade, ten two weeks after she was born. My mom came, and then she she um, did the bath in, in a lot of West African cultures there is a certain bath for newborns um, where their limbs are nice are they are giving massages their limbs are stretched and um my daughter loved that so it was nice to have her there to give her that um there it's, it's, it wasn't just nice to see also and um but I, then I realized that maybe it was a good thing because I, when I was pregnant, I really wanted my mom to be there. Um, but then I realized postpartum, I was like, I think it was good that she wasn't there because I think she would have really stressed me out. Um, and it's just a lot of things that we, we are told that we need, like um, or even culturally now with, again, the romanticization of home births and... And birth is like, you know, you need you need your partner to be there. You need this. You, you don't necessarily need all of that. Um, what is most important is the woman who's giving birth to be comfortable with herself, trust her body, and everything else can go. You don't have to. Um, you don't have to be married to be to be able to give birth naturally. You don't have to, you know, have. Um, family support, to be, if you, yourself, know yourself, are comfortable with yourself, are are trusting of your body and the birthing process. It's really about the person and the mother. Um, And so that's why I feel like if we, it's not about policies or changing all of that, it's about getting to the women from young age, getting them to really trust themselves and, and to really trust the process. Once that's all there, no matter what comes your way, no matter what the environment is like, you'll be able to, earth. um, it's, it's, yeah, I feel like that's really what's the most important thing. And, um, yeah, but besides that, my, my postpartum was, was, I would say non, what, is it, what do they call it? Non, um. Non-eventful, <laughs> I guess is what they call it. But I was um, I was comfortable. I didn't get any sickness. I I did um, tear, and so I had um, I used herbal baths to kind of heal those um, to heal those scars. Um, and now, what I'm learning in Benin because I'm in Benin now, and I'm learning a lot about birth culture and how. Um, and how they take care of the woman after birth. And a lot of what they do is all about nutrition and um, nutrition, massages, and making sure that she is, her digestive system is good. And so those are the things that gave me a bit of trouble postpartum. Um, so I, 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 um, constipation, which would be, which is probably because of the tears also, because I was scared. Um, And, but, you know, all those kind of things, those are the things that the culture here, the food that you eat helps your digestive system, the food, postpartum food, to get mama to be going, to be regular, and to be warm. and, And so those are things that I'm learning now and I'm incorporating into my own work. Um, that postpartum is really important for, uh, to take care of the digestive system, to eat well, and that, you know, in turn also takes care of the baby and the baby's digestive system and, um, you know, colic and all that. So, so yeah, so the most important thing and the issues that I had were really with digestive system, and now I'm learning that that's really actually a, a big thing to look at when postpartum um i was thinking about what you said it's really important in the foundation
0: being um birthing people you know, trusting themselves and trusting the process and you know we say like and you said starting it early and i mm-hmm. think if we if we do normalize birth from the beginning you know introducing talking about it with our kids having home births and then being having births in general and then being a part of it um, um Allows for them to grow up where they don't have the fear surrounded in it, Um, and then they're able to go into situations and ask the questions and look for care providers that fit the mold of what birth and how normal birth has been a a part of their lives. Um, Mm -hmm. Is so very true when we do that. You know, there's many people would be like, I wouldn't want my kids to see that like that might um scare them or and i'm like no not at all like if anything they're just as intrigued
2: about mm-hmm.
0: it all and want to be and want to see and um really want to be a part of that process
2: so yeah
1: <laughs> i'm just looking at your baby <laughs> and so oh gosh see yeah. everything
2: I just take some screenshots and put that on the outtakes this is more exactly
0: <laughs> so yes that's so important
1: yeah, and also just you. also talking to them early on about their body and oh, yeah. allowing yes. them to explore yes. and be sensually and just be free with their body Yeah, and to learn and to you know to to be comfortable with all the processes, the the men then the menses comes and you know, it's all that ties together into yes. being comfortable and being able to be in charge of, the, yes. of your experience. You know. I mean, um, I know there
0: were so many things, like when I got pregnant, I'm like, Didn't nobody tell me where the cervix was. Like can't... <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm know. getting a cervical check, and I'm like, "Where is this lady going? <laughs> like, what is uh, going how on?"
2: Yes, <laughs> <don't
1: get> <laughs> yes, and actually, I worked, uh, I worked uh, in a um, in a women's clinic, uh, which which performed a lot of, of abortions, and um, a lot of the the health professionals who worked there didn't realize that you can actually feel your cervix, and I was like, "Come on, guys! <laughs> you feel your you can you can touch your cervix." And they didn't realize, you know, so it's not just just uh, you know the 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 public. Even even birth professionals, um, not maybe not birth, but um, women's health professionals, some of them don't know, have never even don't know where their cervix is or can, I've never touched it, or they know that yeah, you, you can even feel it. So, yeah, it's um, it's it's crazy how out of touch we can we have we have been and can be from our bodies. Yeah,
2: I'm considering like your conversation about the West African traditions, postpartum traditions, um, and it makes me think of a, a previous interview we did with Divine, and um, just so many things that we do that we don't necessarily know why we do them here in the States um, as African Americans. Um, and I remember doing the same thing with my newborns, giving the bath and, and stretching the arms and all the joints and going through all that. And it's like, it's a tradition that's been passed down somewhere along the line in that yeah. we just don't know the origins, but to hear you say it and just thinking like, okay, it makes sense. Um, we like to think of ourselves as being so, different because we are um here in america without having the true feeling like we have the history of being in africa um but so much is passed on that when we really break it down and and pay more attention to what we're doing and why we're doing it we could connect more to our ourselves as well yeah and i yeah
1: and also thinking that uh, and, and Divine is a good friend of mine. She's actually been to um, the retreat. She was one of the, my first the retreaters. And so, yes. And so, yeah, also uh, thinking the Black Americans, the story that, you know, that you've lost your traditions or you're not connected anymore. That's really a myth. It's mm-hmm. really a myth that, like you said, if you really look into your um, even your own things that you do or things that your parents or grandparents have done there's history there Mm -hmm. and um, yeah and it's tied we're we're still tied together and in Mm -hmm. fact you all sometimes are more connected than some people of the new generation here Mm -hmm. um, because everybody is trying to be so westernized now that mm. some of us people here are really purposely disconnecting while you all are purposely reconnecting.
2: Interesting, yeah.
1: wow. Nice. Yeah, so
2: sweet.
1: it's, um. so we need each other in order to kind of, to cut this white supremacy, colonization mm-hmm. line <laughs> out of yeah. the oh, nice rise bird. above. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I think that's a perfect segue into being able to, to talk more about your retreat, um, the Wise African Woman Birth ah. Education Retreat. Can you tell us all the things about it? Um, how it began? How we can get? How we can be a retreater? Um, how do I <laughs> sign up today? Uh, um, so yeah, can you give us <laughs> a breakdown of that
1: retreat? Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, so. How it started? Why is African woman? So, like I said, when I was pregnant, I, after birthing, I felt like a whole new person. And so I was really digging deep to kind of create this this community for myself and for my baby. And it just wasn't coming together in the US. It just wasn't coming together. And so, um, one of the things I did um, to get more financially grounded is to go back to school and finish college, and um, so I did. And it was one of the hardest things. Well, it was really much easier to just to do the work and pass, but to just be there was hard. I felt like I was on a you know plant on a plantation, <laughs> and just you know, I it was just really hard mentally. I was like. I'm paying money to be in this environment to get this degree that may or may not even make me the money that I'm paying to get it. You know? Okay. So, you know, and so, but it was something that I just had to do. I felt like I had to do in order to. It was just a mental thing to, you know, also family-wise, you know, to just just do it so that it's done and, and I can say I I have a degree. But once I graduated, I was like, I need a break from the United States. Um, and so I I took a trip as a gift to myself back home. And before then, I hadn't been to Benin in like 15 years. It had been a long time. And so, and it was my daughter's first time, obviously. And so I came and I was like, ah. Oh, a weight off. It really felt like a weight off. And also, you know, a lot of things have been happening in the U.S. that always happen, but that were getting more that were just fresh like um, Trayvon Martin, which was in in Florida. Um, and then again, just being in that University of Florida environment is very, we're in the South. So it's very, it's it's intense. It gets intense. And um and I just realized how much stress I was carrying inside of my body. Even driving in the in in Florida was stressful. Even when I had all my papers, everything together, I would still get stopped, and people still, you know, police would still put his hand on his on his gun while he's talking to me. And I was just having this, all this stress inside of my body that I was, once I came here, I was like, wow, this is crazy. It's, I've just felt like so much release. And so, um, and then just being here, I've always, like I said before, I didn't, never really assimilated into, into, um, into the U.S. culture and... My daughter, she, she had a good time here. We were, she, I put her in the school. We were here for about four months. And, um, and then when we got back, I was just like, I have to recreate that feeling. I have to keep this feeling of lightness. How do I do that? How do I do that? How do I not bring in all this stress that I had before? Um, and so I started being really conscious about things and thoughts that would that weighs me down. Um, and one of the things, uh, when I came back, I was planning to go to med school, <laughs> and I was like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, I don't want to be in med school. That sounds like torture <laughs> to me right now to be around <laughs> the kind of people that will be in med school." that I'll be around and the kind of work I'll have to do, the kind of way I'll have to present myself and kind of wear masks and, you know, and all this, I was just like, and no, it doesn't fit into what I want. It doesn't, it's gonna bring on more of that white weight that I'm trying to, to get off. And so, um, so that was one thing that, that was just like, okay, I'm gonna leave that. Yeah. And so I, I started instead to um, continue midwifery school And um, I started midwifery school. I, I thought that would be better, but again, I was just like, I could be doing this in Africa and feel much more connected yeah. and be learning things that are that um are more rooted in the kind of things that I want to do and learn. And a lot of this, the school that I was going to was very, <clears throat> was very white. And it was um, most of the people who graduated ended up not necessarily practicing midwifery, but um, doing other things. Um, so it wasn't as hands-on as the school that I went to in Miami. and. Anyway, the things that I was learning was so Euro- Eurocentric. And I was just like, again, I don't want to be doing this. Um, and so I quit that too. I was like, what do I really, really, really want to do? And what would bring in, again, those feelings that I, I had when I was back home? And um, <laughs> this is when I... I Started learning about unschooling and deschooling. I don't know if you mm-hmm. all yeah terms yep. yeah and um, unschooling and deschooling and self direction. And so I was like, this is what I want. I want to self direct. I want to just do things that feed my soul and feed my mental health. And I don't want to sacrifice that for a degree or for money. I feel like I want to. Uh, getting to things that would feed me like literally with money and food and also feed me and my mental health and my soul, my spiritual self. And, um, and so I started doing that. I stopped looking for jobs. I, I, I was not, not, not looking for jobs. I was look I welcome jobs because I need money, but I started kind of um, only us going towards things that, that I that was that I that kind of excited me, so, and then I also um, adopted unschooling. My, da- my daughter uh, quit school. I talked to her about unschooling, and she totally got on board with it. And so I was like, "I'm going to school too. So we're going to unschool. You're going to school. I'm going to school, and we'll we'll figure this out." <laughs> right. So <laughs> We're just gonna um, focus on us and being happy and moving forward. Yeah, so I had odd uh, jobs. I worked at a um, on a farm for a while. That was really fulfilling. And then I worked as um, I managed a farmers market. Um, my degree was in agriculture, so I those are things that kind of that I like. And um, then I yeah, since I was still I'm a birth keeper by by nature. That's my that's my calling. And so I was like, how I started thinking of how I can. Um, be of service and use that and connect my um, both homes basically. And so, what I really wanted was to learn and uh, learn in Africa about learn about um, birth and everything birth culture in my culture from where I was and from um, in Africa and. And so I was like, why don't I um, do that? And, you know, and I started and I reached out to the birthing community and was like, who would be interested in coming and learning with me? Because at this point, I don't know either, because I'll also be learning. And so I reached out to the birth, my, fellow birth keepers and ask who would be interested and a lot of people were interested. And so I was like, well, let's, let's see this. I think I can, I can figure this out. Since I have that connection and people are interested, let's, um, let me start figuring out what's, what to do, what, what's going to look like. And so that's how uh, wise African woman, um, began. And then, um, yeah, so Basically, it's grown into a retreat for birth workers, birth keepers from the diaspora, to come to Benin and to specifically Wida Benin to uh, learn about um, the uh, birth. Mostly, we're gonna fo- we focus on postpartum care. And the cultures of postpartum care. We also learn herbal herbal um, uh, use and culture for womb care for during birth and pregnancy, and um, ethnobotany and all that stuff. We I come I have come I have a partner here I, that I collaborate with who is. Uh, um, traditional midwife, okay. and so she has a birth clinic from her home. She's amazing, and uh, she and her husband is an herbalist. So um, we work together with them, and then I've made more connections with women who don't usually who don't usually have um, that that value put into their work, like market women who sell. Um, In Benin, in a lot of um, West African countries, in every market you go to, there's a a herbal medicine section of just roots, people selling roots, um, you know, these herbal medicines. And so connecting with those women who go and pick those herbs themselves and telling them that, you know, there's interest in people who want to learn what you're doing. And, you know, obviously you will be paying for your work and for your teachings. And it was actually, one of the things that I love is that a lot of women, a lot of people who come from abroad, don't ask them those kind of things. Don't go to those kind of people to, for, um, you know, that's not really what people come here to learn. And people come here to, usually when it comes to medicine and birth, Um, westerners come here to give shots to you know bring bring western medicine here Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. it's it's not usually to come and learn the local medicine and so that was that feels good to me to be able to do that to be able to let them know that it's valued and so um so yeah so that's what wise African woman retreats is Um, I do other retreats for people if you're interested in like other things like uh, textile or um, beads or, you know, beading. Mm -hmm. You know, I can, I can curate a a retreat for you to focus on that, um, on that, your interest. Um, Educational retreats is what I do. So, but the signature retreat is... um, is the birth education retreat since I'm a birth keeper and that's that's my interest and that's what I been, that's what I do and so yeah so for that I have three retreats a year one in January uh, another one in April and then one in July and it's educational it's also um like a cultural experience it's uh, Benin, been in and the town that we're in was a uh, Big part of the uh, transatlantic slave trade, and so um, you know, enslavement, and so so we we definitely you know um, go through the process of healing and and talking about those things, um, but also talking about the pre, just the land and and healing modalities that you know that are. Um, that are not, so we don't basically focus on just after slavery, basically, but we talk about all kinds of things. So it's going to be this uh, spiritual side. January, mm-hmm. a lot of people want to come in January because there's a Vodun festival um, it, that month. Uh, Benin is one of the, is the only African country that um, recognizes indigenous um, religion as, and has like a, a holiday for it. And so, wow. um, so yeah, so that's in January. So a lot of people um, are interested in coming in January for so that they can kind of see that at the festival. Um, but yeah, so besides that, we go on herbal war- walks. We, um, it's a very close knit. It's a very intimate experience. You uh, have home cooked meals, you get to meet people, like, you know, you get to make real connections because yeah, yeah. Um, it's not a spa, you know, it's not, it's not, you're not in like a, a bubble of uh, tourism. <laughs> you get right. to actually live in a home that's, you know, that's part of the community. Uh, so yeah, so that's um, Wise African Woman Retreats right there.
0: Yes. Right there. <laughs> uh, we will be linking where to get more information and sign up for that y'all might just see me and danielle you know, 2021 maybe danielle <laughs> <laughs> need to, uh, i'm putting need it in the on. universe for us
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes you have to if those who are interested um my website is littlebylittlebirth.com and you can read all about the retreats there. And I have a I have um I have webinars every every couple of months. The next one will be in May to um to to get you to just talk about the retreats so you can people can just see my face and talk about um and and to know what's what it's what's going to be and how to sign up. It's easy to sign up really, but just go on the website and if you have any questions, you can always um, email me. Well, is there anything else that you want to share with
0: listeners, whether it's resources, advice, anything else from your birth, the last thing that you want to leave them with?
1: Yes. I want to tell anyone who's listening who may be in a, Relationship that's not healthy to feel uh, empowered to stand on your own, like you can do it, and you you would be better for it if you choose you and choose your um, child if you're pregnant or if you're already a mother. Um, yeah, just um, I think that's really important because uh, so a lot of times we just get into this mindset of needing or being of needing or being needy. But what you need isn't stress and isn't um, isn't pain, and um, leaving that will bring in more. More and more and more goodness. So I just want to put that out there.
0: oh thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. For sharing your wisdom. Um,
1: thank you for providing yes. this platform. Yes, yes. Well, we will be in touch. Uh,
0: we got a retreat to sign up for. <laughs> uh, uh. thanks for listening to birth stories in color to hear this show and other episodes head to birthstoriesincolor.com